The Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Friends near and far, we welcome you to this Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. This Sunday, sing we now of Christmas. Especially today, we are grateful for our musicians, both vocalists and instrumentalists, our ushers and readers, our gathered and listening congregation on this snow day Christmas Sunday. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe live at WBUR.org. Especially this morning, we welcome the meteorologically displaced those who may be listening for the first time because your own church for one day is snowed in or snowed out. Pull up a chair and hum the hymns by the radio. We are glad you have joined us. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. Today we hear of the coming birth of Jesus, the Son of Man. In his birth, God enters and blesses all and varied human life in that spirit, we light our fourth Advent candle this morning. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, let us stand in the praise of God.
Purify our conscience, Almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved, in order for us to be able to face the mirror, we need the bright confidence of light and of love. It is surely, and only, a sudden awareness of the willingness in another to forgive that empowers us to confess. First, we are seized by the Christmas gospel, on earth, peace, goodwill. Then, we have the courage to admit, to bow down, to face the music, to face the mirror, to face ourselves. In that spirit, may we offer our individual and corporate prayers of confession as the choir sings our Kyrie. to a personal piercing word of pardon. Te absolvo, te absolvo. Can you hear that? It begs to be forgiven. Thus rejoicing, free from sorrow, praises voicing, greet the morrow, Christ the babe is born for you. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, 
a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
please join me in saying the Magnificat responsively with the antiphon. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud on the thoughts of their he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. In those days Mary set out and went with haste to, Jew to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. 
be seated. Like other births, Jesus' own occurs in the midst of trouble. He is hardly born before another dream befalls Joseph, the poor fellow, and a man drenched in dreams and is commanded that the Holy Family is going to flee to Egypt. So the prophet had predicted. Like most growth, Jesus' own develops amid controversy. Herod fulfills another prophecy by slaying the children of Bethlehem, who then as now are in peril every hour. So the prophet had predicted. Like much childhood, Jesus' own transpires amid governmental wrangling, religious strife, and existential uncertainty. His family comes to make their home in Nazareth, down at the north end of the lake, and Jesus becomes a Nazarene. So the prophet had predicted. Jesus is immersed in our full life. Jesus is our childhood's measure. Day by day, like us, he grew. He was little, weak, helpless. Tears and smiles, like us, he knew. And he feeleth for our sadness, and he shareth in our gladness. The Christmas gospel is just this. God has taken human form, entered our condition, our very flesh. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And in the next century after his birth, Ignatius was to say in summarizing his salvation, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The birth of Jesus penetrates all the seasons of life. Even dear, doer Ecclesiastes, who found so little to celebrate in life, at least made peace in his otherwise Saturnine perspective to honor time, the passage of time, the flow of time, and the regular return of times and seasons like Christmas Sunday. For everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So as we pause between Christmas Sunday and Christmas Day, and so between past and future, youth and age, life and death, heaven and earth, this age and the age to come, perhaps we too can celebrate the very seasons of life. For to every denomination there is a season and a time for every perspective under heaven. The birth of Jesus honors all the varieties of religious expression. Here is what I mean. To every denomination there is a season. We begin with the Calvinists. You may not be a cradle Presbyterian, but they are good people. You may never have wanted to wade in the dark, icy water of Calvinist despair. You may not see yourself through the lens of a Bergman film, but there is a time and there is a season. When Ash Wednesday arrives in the next few months, we are all Presbyterians. Yes, if at no other point on that day, we do well to read Calvin, as much of him as we can. For we are dust, to dust we shall return, as both the Bible and Ignatius of Loyola taught. We do all sin, and we do all fall short of the glory of God. We are fully mortal and prone to harm others. In Calvin's favorite winning phrase, a personal delight of my own as well, we are simply totally depraved. 
His follower, Jonathan Edwards, described us as sinners in the hands of an angry God, held like filthy spiders over the pits of hellfire, and spared only by God's strong wrist, who in holding us to save us, nonetheless averts his eyes from the hideous sight. Yikes, that is serious Ash Wednesday stuff. Really, to sense this, you need the mind of John Calvin, the voice of Jonathan Edwards, and the heart of John of Patmos. I admit it is not an invariably happy creed, but it is a right and a good and a sober one. As my Scottish Presbyterian relatives from my mother-in-law's side might say, Bob, you are so often so wrong. So buy a Presbyterian lunch early in Lent and appreciate the gifts of their season. Speaking of Lent, we may enjoy the gifts of the Jesuits. Perhaps you've attended a Jesuit college or have taught in one, as I have. Maybe you have wondered about Ignatius of Loyola, born in Pamplona, a Spaniard and a warrior who was converted through illness to a beatific vision of Jesus, the Christ, Lord, and Savior. Believe me, in Lent, we are all Jesuits. In the season of Lenten discipline and preparation, you know, think of it today, ice, snow, cold, we rely on some form of Jesuitical discipline. You may not precisely use his spiritual exercises, his daily devotion of silence and prayer and vision of Jesus. You may be sorry that he set loose the Inquisition and Index as tools of the Counter-Reformation. You may feel he carried too much eye and too much military into a faith that is primarily auditory and ironic. In that, you would be a Lutheran, you Lutheran you. But in Lent, we are all soldiers in the society of Jesus, ready to drill and train and prepare and exercise and submit. As Teresa of Avila put it, even when we are thrown into the mud cart of life, God is with us. Everyone is a Jesuit come Lent. Since, though, you brought up Luther, we must also give credit where credit is due. Come Good Friday, when we survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, our greatest gain we count but loss and pour contempt on all our pride. I know that the ground at the foot of the cross is pretty level, but the view of the cross that is best is found in the perspective of the Lutherans who stoutly recall with Luther, crux sola nostra theologia, the cross alone is our teaching. Luther's grave is not found in Lake Wobegon, but you can see it from there. We need to remember, especially on Good Friday, that all of our best intentions fall short. Especially when we think we have it just right, whatever it is, we invariably have it just wrong. It was Katie von Bora, a former nun, who in marrying Luther reminded him of his humanity and brought out the most winsome traits of the reformer's character. All our symbols, personal and familial and national and denominational, lie prostrate before the cross, all need right interpretation to avoid idolatry. Even the cross, our own central symbol, needs that interpretation, which is why we consent to a 22-minute sermon every week, even though the Baptists among us would rather shout and pray. Did we in our own strength confide our winning would be losing? When it comes to the cross, we do well to remember Luther. I have just mentioned the Baptists. They are such great-hearted people. Freedom and joy that sometimes gives anarchy a bad name. 
But there is a season for everybody, for in June or late May, when the world is young again, we together will celebrate Pentecost, the Day of Spirit, after 50 days, after 40 days, that is 90 days from Calvin's ashes, we pause again to remember that God is with us. Wesley died saying, the best of all is, God is with us. Relax, I will get to the Methodists in due time. Baptists are for spirit, all spirit, whatever the Trinitarian Orthodox say. The Baptists are almost Unitarians of the third person of the Trinity. I tell you, though, come Pentecost, that's the day. Lord, dear Lord above, God Almighty, God of love, please look down and see my people through. And when that wind of God is blowing, and I do not refer to your preacher sermonizing, but to the Spirit, then you need some Baptists around to shake things up a little bit. Remember Rembert Weakland, who said that Christians when they're living their faith, are always in a little bit of trouble. That Baptist Isabella von Wagener, you know her as Sojourner Truth, said, that man says women can't have as much rights as man because Christ wasn't a woman. Well, I ask you, where did your Christ come from? From God and from a woman. Man had nothing to do with him. You see what I mean? You need to shout when the Spirit says, shout. The Greek Orthodox do not do a lot of shouting on Sunday or Monday. They're not big shouters, except during their festivals, which happen to come properly, I think, about the time of Trinity Sunday. The more liturgical churches, Episcopalian and Catholic, remember this Sunday better than the rest of us. This is the season when we remember that God is more than Almighty Creator, that God is more than Lordly Savior, that God is more than mysterious spirit. God is three faces in one, and leave it to the Orthodox to remind us so. So on or about June 15th, go to a Greek festival and dance to the triune God. Go ahead, hug a Trinitarian in June. William Ellery Channing may, Channing may be angry about it, but you go ahead and love your Trinitan, Trinitarian neighbor as your own self. As Constantine's mother, Helena, may have said on her many fourth century pilgrimages to Jerusalem, let us remember well those who have revered God before us. Now that we are knee deep in liturgy, let us honor the Roman Catholics. Every third member of our congregation and listenership today comes out of a Roman Catholic background. Our history, liturgy, nave, location, and personality at Marsh Chapel have regularly made this service accessible to women and men of many different interests and backgrounds. Come October, on World Communion Sunday, we are all Catholics. With the Universal Church, we celebrate the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. With the Universal Church, we acknowledge one Lord, one faith, one baptism. With the Universal Church, we recognize the global character of the Christian communion. And it has been the Catholic Church, more steadily than most, which has defended the human body in our time. It has been the Catholic Church that has regularly regarded the poor and those of low estate. It has been the Catholic Church that has kept the long history of Christendom before us. 
Our liturgical ties to the universal church should not be loosened by the very real doctrinal differences we have. But from our Anglican heritage, we know how to be a moderate people. We know the value of an olive branch. And on World Communion Sunday, we shall affirm one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We remember among so many others, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, whose simple deeds of service to the poorest spoke volumes to her time. Did you notice just now how the Anglican or Episcopal tradition found its way into our Christmas Sunday seasonal review? Typical that. You will usually find an Anglican sidling up alongside you in discussion, listening and careful in discourse. To the Episcopalian, a smile comes before a frown, a quite so before a not so. Anglicans are like everybody else, only more so. They revere the variety and diversity of the communion of saints. They agree to disagree agreeably. They are peaceable people, nearly Quaker in character. Not for them the starch of Lutheran polemics, nor the bitter herbs of Calvinist dogma. A little sherry in the afternoon, a little handle, a little conversation. Jolly good, tally-ho, pip-pip, cheerio. It is reason, reason rather than revelation alone that has guided the Church of England, reason and a stiff dose of liturgy, including the veneration of the saints. One a soldier, one a priest, one slain by a fierce wild beast. On All Saints' Day, we are all truly Anglicans too. They are princes of peace, these sons and daughters of George III, and they are an optimistic people. Said Queen Victoria, we are not interested in the possibilities of defeat. Real peace, the waiting and quiet of peace in the heart, however, are ultimately the province of our Pennsylvanian neighbors. In Advent, you are a Quaker through and through. Oh, you worship God. You know that in heaven we will be greeted by St. Peter, not by Benjamin Franklin, that we will walk the golden streets, not Market Street in Philadelphia, that we will hear the angelic choir, not the Liberty Bell, that we are disciples first and citizens second. Still, the city of brotherly love, only five hours south, the American home of the spiritual descendants of George Fox, that quaking Englishman, is the home of a radical quest for peace, a waiting for peace, a longing for peace, a season of quiet that is utterly Quaker in nature. I have called you friends, said our Lord. I tell you, when you have truly felt the power of the society of friends, you will be as ready for the peace of Advent as you were prepared for the discipline of Lent by the society of Jesus. It is enough to make you sing like a Methodist. It was to the Quakers that Ben Franklin turned at the end of his life in 1792 to implore the young nation to jettison slavery, and they alone, prescient and right, stood by him. In Advent, we are all Philadelphia Quakers eating cheesesteaks and twinkings, Twinkies and sculling on the Schuylkill River. We all await peace. 
we remember Mother Anne Lee and the shaking Quakers singing, in truth, simplicity is gain. To bow and to bend, we shan't be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. And now it is Christmas Sunday. Sing we now of Christmas, Noel, Noel. A song greets the dawn. It is the singing of the birds before daybreak that heralds a new morning, and it is the singing of the Church of Christ in season and out that heralds a new creation. The birds sing while it is still dark, and the church sings while sin remains. People do change for the better, even when we are reluctant to notice. To come to Christmas, truly to come to Christmas, we must come singing, singing. In the church, in the shower, at a prayer meeting, in the choir, at a meeting, caroling at a neighbor's party by yourself. And to sing is to be a Methodist, a singing Methodist, as our common speech declares. All sing, but none so sweetly. All sing, but none so vibrantly. All sing, but none with a list of rules about how to do so pasted in the front of the hymnal, whose reproduction, that is, the rep reproduction of the hymnal every generation, is the church equivalent of world war. All sing, but none with the theological bearing of singing with the Wesleys. To sing the Wesley hymns is to plant one's standard upon the field of battle and roar, let the games begin. And what shall we sing? Carols, of course. And which carols? Those of the English tradition, of course. And which of these? There is but one of the first rank. It is the doctrine of the incarnation, more than those others from crucifixion to resurrection, which so marks the people called Methodist. So the Wesleys adored the Gospel of John, and the Word become flesh and dwelt among us. So they hoped for a new creation, finished, pure and spotless. So they built churches, great and beautiful, but just for appetizers to the real meal, orphanages, mission societies, colleges, universities, medical schools, hospitals, including Africa University in Zimbabwe, which mission, the greatest Christian mission of our time, your giving supports. So Susanna Wesley bore 20 children, one of whom John died saying, the best of all is, God is with us. John, whose brother Charles wrote, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that we no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth. Born to give us second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Amen.
us turn our eyes to the Lord of glory and enthrone him on our praises, and turn our hearts to prayer as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Please respond, Christ, have mercy. Let us turn our eyes to the Lord of glory and enthrone him on our praises. Jesus, servant of God, you bring justice to the peoples. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You love your people with a faithful love. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You were lifted up on the cross that you might draw all people to yourself. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You bring hope and joy to those who walk in the valley and shadow of death. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You have liberated us so that we might be free forever. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You, O Christ, are our justice, our peace, and our redemption. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. Now, in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to us in great humility, that on the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal, through him who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Awaiting his coming in glory, let us pray with confidence as our Savior has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you here to the Nave of Marsh Chapel this morning and invite you to uh, place your name in the red books at the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming weeks and months ahead. We are at the, finally at the end of final season here at Boston University, and as students are traveling home and the university is beginning to close offices for the end of the term, we would remind you that uh, the Marsh Chapel offices will be closed from noon on Thursday, December 24th, through and will reopen at 9 a.m. on Monday, January 4th. However, we will be here each Sunday, and we hope especially that you will join us on Thursday, uh, January sorry, Thursday, December 24th, for our Christmas Eve candlelight service at 7.30 p.m. here in the nave of Marsh Chapel. We will be back uh, in full session with the choir on January 17th, even though classes begin again on the 13th. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
would not love thee, loving us so dearly, receive, we ask, these gifts as tokens of our growth in love. Amen. Lord Jesus, we ask thee to stay close by us forever and love us, we pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Amen. <laughs> 